You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, your trusty, trusty if not talented host of the program. Show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. If you haven't already, you need to get yourself and that significant other, maybe even the kids do one of the chocolate dipping classes there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. That's right. That's right. Social distancing procedures, protocols are being followed, but you can still have fun with the chocolate yourself at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Give them a call at 205-752-0211. Get yourself, get yourself scheduled for one of those classes at Peterbrook. Joined on the program by executive producer Joe Gaither, who together we combined to form the 60-minute-a-boo of Sports Talk Radio. We got the Joe and Jacob show, I believe, today, co-producing the program. Fellas, how are we doing on this hump day morning? Doing excellent, Travis. It's good to be in here with you, man. Hey, good to have you with us, Jacob. You know, we kind of fashion ourselves as the show of the Jays when it comes to production. We've had a Josh, we've had a Joe, and most recently we had James Ludeman, and now Jacob Harrison. Well, we love it. We love the Jays right here. You know, we got uh, almost a full house, I guess you could say, of Jays, but a lot to get into on this Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. It is a Wednesday, so coming up in our very next segment, We will have Cecil Hurt, the sports editor and columnist for the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. Alabama-Tennessee talk to get into with Cecil. Some basketball talk as well. You saw earlier today it was reported that the Alabama men's basketball team will take on the Oklahoma Sooners as a part of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Pretty good matchup with the Sooners here in Tuscaloosa a couple of years ago, no? Huh? That was a pretty good matchup. Alabama took care of business there in uh, impressive fashion a couple of seasons ago, I guess that was. And so uh, we'll have a rematch of that. This one will take place apparently in Norman, Oklahoma. Lon Kruger, your head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners. A lot of people forget before Billy Donovan did his thing down in Gainesville with those back-to-back national titles, multiple trips to final fours it was lon Kruger that took the gators to the final four first 1994 i attended that final four you had the florida gators uh duke was in there arkansas went on to win nolan richardson's lone national title as a head coach there in charlotte that year i took in that national championship game between the razorbacks and the blue devils decided home court advantage as you might expect for the Duke Blue Devils in that one. Grant Hill in the Duke Blue Devils. Couldn't overcome Todd Day. I mean, you had the uh, you had a really good team. 40 minutes of hell, as it was described. Arkansas's full court pressure. Of course, under Nolan Richardson. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. So we got plenty to talk about. We're going to get into some most likely scenarios for the Southeastern Conference 
this weekend. We have an associated poll with that topic on the personal Twitter account at Travis Ryer, T-R-A-V-I-S-R-E-I-E-R on the Twitter. I'll tell you what, man. Also, folks in South Florida are fired up about Tua and making that first career start coming up in a few Sundays. I was on South Florida radio just before taking the airwaves here and doing a show down there. And, you know, you would think a team that's three and three, still very much in the AFC East hunt with the Buffalo Bills, Ryan Fitzpatrick playing some pretty good football. You think there'd be a little bit of maybe some, I don't know, concern, a little bit of a hesitancy there. And I think there is for some of that fan base. I think it still surprised a lot of the locals down there, the timing of this, even with the bye week that the Dolphins are on right now. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is what uh, Dolphin fans wanted. And uh, Tua going to make that first career start against Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey <laughs> and the L.A. Rams in two Sundays. 205-342-9904. Let's go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now and check in with our good friend Corey. He's over in Trustful, Alabama. Corey, how you hey, doing? Travis, how you doing this morning? I'm doing great, my man. I have a couple of questions for you. My first one, uh, I don't know if you got a chance to catch the teleconference of Nick Saban, but his opening statement, per se, was about the refocus of Alabama. Did, did you catch anything about him us maybe having trouble focusing, or is that something to kind of brush off? Yeah, you know, he was kind of asked about that, too, in terms of what he anticipated from his team and being able to you know, put such a big win over Georgia behind them. You know, I think he likes the makeup of his team, especially on offense. A lot of veteran leadership on that side of the ball, whether you're talking about Mac Jones, Devontae Smith. I mean, you've got three seniors on that offensive line, including a couple of redshirt seniors. Uh, Defensively, uh, guys like Dylan Moses have been around for a while now. LeBron Ray up front. You get back into that secondary. Patrick Sertan's been around, so... Now, this is a time when your leadership really reveals itself. And it shouldn't be an issue getting up for one of your primary rivals. Uh, but when you've won 13 in a row in the series, it can be a little bit more of a challenge, perhaps. And look, I think what Nick has at his disposal right now is the performance against Ole Miss, especially on defense. You know, didn't really answer the bell at all coming off the big win over A&M. Go on the road to Ole Miss, find yourself in a dogfight for pretty much the entirety of the four quarters. So you have to sort of anticipate that kind of effort from Tennessee on Saturday, even with the two straight losses. You know, way Nick Saban and this staff are going to present Tennessee to this Alabama football team is this is a desperate Tennessee team. They have to win on Saturday, right? And they're playing at home. So, so I, I would expect a I would expect a more connected effort from the start on Saturday than what we saw at Ole Miss, but you know we got to see it first. So has Alabama had a bad week of practice so far as focus, or is Nick Saban just haven't coached? No, I, I don't I don't I don't know that. I you know they've they've only practiced two days. Um, so you know you'll hear from Nick Saban. In fact, you've probably just heard from him on the on the teleconference, as you mentioned, and then you'll hear from him post-practice tonight. And usually that post-practice press conference that Nick does gives you a pretty good idea of where he's at on the week. You know, if he goes into that Wednesday evening press conference and it sounds as if he's still delivering the message to his team, maybe in more enthusiastic terms than, than sometimes that he does it. I think that could tell you something, but, um, you know, I, I think it's something we'll learn more about as we we get into tonight. Tomorrow is coaches' show, which you'll hear right here on Side 100.9 FM, and then you won't really know though until they tee it up Saturday afternoon. That's 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 when you when you truly find out if if they've sort of digested that win over Georgia and and uh, centered on Tennessee enough. What does the Tennessee game mean to you, in your opinion? To me, what does the Tennessee game mean? Um, it, you know what? It, 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 sometimes it's not even football for me. It, it's it's the season, right? It feels like fall usually 
for the first time in this part of the country. I, I like when I go to Knoxville, I like the drive up and the drive back just as much as I like anything else as a part of the trip, including the football game, because it is that time of year. We're getting the fall foliage a lot of years. Um, and, and just the feel of the time of the year, it feels, it feels more like football when Tennessee rolls around than it has in the previous five or six weeks of a typical season. I don't know. What about you? What does it mean to you, Corey? Well, it's funny because, and this, this will tell you my age, I've only been an Alabama fan since really Nick Saban started. I'm in my mid-20s, so I've never seen Alabama lose to Tennessee. <laughs> and when that day comes, it'll be a rude awakening for me. But I've seen a couple of blood pressure moments as far as close calls, but I've enjoyed a lot of good wins, but it really does bring out fall, like you said, because it really means football's here. But you usually, well, every time Alabama's had pretty big wins, especially in Knoxville. So as long as Alabama's focused, hopefully they should win pretty easily. But if they're not, this game could be more interesting than we want it to be. See, I I think it is going to be, I think it's going to be a second half game Saturday. I'm not of the belief that it's going to be like some years, a lot of years in this streak where Alabama pretty quickly has gone in and just jumped out to a huge early lead. And that was pretty much the end of the intrigue. I think because of the way Tennessee's built on offense with that line and those backs, although I'm not as crazy about maybe Chandler and Gray, um, uh, this year, I think they're solid backs. I just think a guy like Tim Jordan last year, you know, he ran with some toughness that I think they're they're missing a little bit uh, this year at the position. But as far as the line of scrimmage goes, uh, Tennessee's offensive line and Tennessee's run game will dictate exactly how long this game is competitive, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I told Gary this. I said two things. As long as we can win the game for one first and then get out of there healthy, that's, that's what we'll take. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, and knock on wood, it's it's been a pretty good run for Alabama. You know, LeBron Ray missed uh, the Georgia game with the elbow injury. Didn't see as much of Fedarian Mathis in the second half of that game Saturday night. So we talk about that matchup with that offensive line. Availability is going to play a big role in that, whether Ray is good to go, you know, how how set they are in that rotation along with Christian Barmore, Justin Aboigby, Byron Young, uh, DJ Dale. Uh, that that's going to be important. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that the health of this team to this point, again, has been a, a highlight through four games. And, you know, that could be, you know, some people could hear that and say, wow, it's just four games. Well, for what Alabama has been through the last three years, this seems like it's been 12 games that they've been able to sort of weather and, and navigate here. Do you think Dylan Moses is playing like, I know he's not, from what we see, he's not playing his full potential, but you think it's because of the injury? Like, he's, he's not playing as confident because of the injury? Yeah, you heard Nick Saban talk about that on Monday, too, and I thought it was encouraging, said this yesterday on the show, I thought it was encouraging to hear Nick Saban refer to Dylan's performance against Georgia as being one in which he displayed physical confidence. And I think we know what that means. That means a couple of things, too, to me, by the way. It doesn't just mean that he's confident in the knee coming off the injury. It's also that he's confident in what he's doing at a new position because it is still a new position for him, compounded by the fact that he is coming off the knee. And I, I've said it before, the, the Dante Hightower comparison. Same thing for Dante in 2010, coming off the knee injury in 2009. Not only that, Rolando McClain moves on to the NFL. They move Dante Hightower to the signal caller role. You know, that's a lot. It's a lot to take on. I would wager that if Dylan were still at the weak side spot and someone else was playing the mic and sort of running the show and freeing up Dylan just to play, Dylan's numbers would be even better. And they're not bad, by the way. His numbers aren't bad. 
But yeah, I think there are times when you see him and you know you wonder if he's all the way there, not only in terms of his his physical part, but probably more so that that confidence level that you're talking about. But that was that was good to hear from Nick on Monday. Yeah, it was. I mean, hopefully Dylan can continue to lead this defense and we can continue to get better because we know what this offense can do. If the defense can make steady improvements, I don't think even Clemson can stop this team because I think we'll be on our way to number 18 as long as, A, if we can stay healthy, and B, if this defense can kind of make steady improvements, I think we'll be well on our way to number 18 this year. Wouldn't you agree? I think they'll be right there if those things happen. I think I think Clemson is exceptionally dynamic. Maybe not as much on the outside as Alabama is, uh, but with Amari Rogers working inside there with Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne um, doing his thing out of the backfield. Uh, still a very capable team that defensively looks like it has transitioned well here in the last year or two to pretty much an entire makeover up front continues to recruit at a high, high level, uh, Dabo does. And so in terms of personnel, I, I still think there's there's really three other teams, right? Legitimately, there's Clemson, there's Ohio State that we're going to get our first look of uh, this season coming up this weekend. And um, I, would, I would probably right now put Georgia in there instead of LSU as the four in terms of just personnel that can – can stack up together. Hey, Corey, we got to get to this break, my man. We always appreciate the phone call, though. Good talk to you, Travis, for time. There he goes, Corey, over in Trustful, Alabama, checking in. Yeah, that's my opinion of Saturday. And you know what? I checked in with Rusty and uh, sort of got a look at his picks, his home underdogs with the sharpest teeth. And he's on Tennessee this week. He's on Tennessee. Yeah. I know, Rusty. Rusty likes Smokey getting the 21. It's probably kind of a borderline fraternal thing when you get Rusty and Smokey and Ugga and Bully and all these dogs around the SEC together. He is on. He is on, though. That's one of his four picks, I can't tell you, for this week. He likes Tennessee getting the 21 at Neyland Stadium. Interesting, a year ago, what was it, a 35-13 game here in Tuscaloosa. So right around that same number. And, you know, those home dogs, they have really sharp teeth a lot of times. Rusty's had some pretty big bite to him so far this season. He's 13-6-1. Yeah. Yeah, he's a little guy, Rusty. But sometimes he can, he can break the skin with those teeth. You know what else I asked Rusty? I asked Rusty about uh, Ole Miss getting the three at home against Auburn over there at Vaught-Hemingway, 11 a.m. kickoff Saturday. He doesn't like Ole Miss at all as a home dog. And that kind of ties in with our most likely-to-happen scenarios for the upcoming weekend in the SEC. Again, that's the Twitter poll for today, at Travis Ryer on Twitter. Uh, Most likely-to-happen in the SEC this weekend – Tank Bigsby of Auburn goes for 200-plus rushing yards at Ole Miss. I think uh, that's what Rusty sees happening because he likes Auburn laying the three on the road. Uh, Your other options, Mac Jones, a fourth straight 400-yard passing game? Is that really going to happen? I don't think so. I think Tennessee's uh, back end is uh, pretty good. Pass rush, eh. But I like their back seven. With Henry Toa Toa, Bryce Thompson back there at corner. Um, another option, one of the head coaches in South Carolina LSU will lose his shirt. You got Will Muschamp, and you got Ed Orgeron on sidelines in Baton Rouge. That's a that's an option. One of those two will at some point opt out of their, their shirt. And then uh, your final option, Missouri will snap a five-game losing streak to the Kentucky Wildcats in Como. I like of those four, I think Tank Bigsby is going to go for 200-plus at Ole Miss, just like Najee Harris did. That's why Rusty, I'm guessing, can't get on the the Ole Miss plus three at home thing because 
Yeah, he just envisions he envisions probably a couple things, Rusty, right? Rusty is thinking Morris on, Chad Morris and Gus Malzon will see to it that the game isn't in Bo Nix's hands like it was last week. And that uh, Tank gets 25-plus carries. And also, I think Rusty also expects Kevin Steele to play some zone defense against Matt Corral. After Matt threw those six interceptions at Arkansas against that zone D of Barry Odom last Saturday. Is that correct, Rusty? Yeah. I think it is. We're going to head to our first break. We come back. Cecil Hurd of the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. He'll join us on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. If you're looking from the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Kaneka Sausage, a true Southern flavor since 1947, and now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Visit online at ConecuhSausage.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama wide receiver Jalen Waddell had another huge performance for the Tide on Saturday. He made six catches for 161 yards and one touchdown, where he went 90 yards for the score against Georgia. Waddell met with the media on Tuesday afternoon. Mac is a hard worker. He do all the right things uh, week in and week out. So him going out there and play like that Saturday, I'm really not um, surprised. Um, just looking at how he worked throughout the week. So Mac just being Mac. Uh, well, I think he does a good job just evaluating what the defense is doing. And um, he talked to us a lot. So he get our um, view of things and we go back and tell him what we think. So I think uh, we do a good job of communicating with each other to make uh, them type of plays happen. I'll have more in a moment. The Crimson Tide's newest partner is already an Alabama favorite. Kaneka Sausage is now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. Made in Evergreen, Alabama, Kaneka's tradition of making the finest hickory smoked sausage hasn't changed in over 70 years. Always great for breakfast, Kaneka Sausage is now a tailgate grilling favorite. Kaneka Sausage, a true Southern flavor since 1947, and now the official smoked sausage of the Crimson Tide. The Crim- Crimson Tide volleyball team will open its 2020 fall schedule on Wednesday with the first of two matches this week with seventh-ranked Missouri in Tuscaloosa. Alabama and Mizzou will play at 6 p.m. Central on Wednesday on SEC Network Plus, while Thursday's match begins at 8.30 p.m. Central on the SEC Network. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Kaneka Sausage. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sporter. Pleasant autumn day on this Wednesday across Tuscaloosa with a few passing clouds possible. Highs near 86. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with highs in the mid-80s near 84. And for Friday, a few passing showers possible by afternoon highs near 81 degrees. I'm meteorologist James Spann on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide! I've seen Jesus play with flames in a lake of fire that I was standing on. Met the devil in Seattle, spent nine months inside the lion's den. I met Booty yet another time, he showed me a glowing light within. But I swear God was there every time I stared in the eyes of my best friend. For BamaOnline.com. It's that time on Wednesdays when we like to head to the Peterbrook Chocolate Tears Studio. Check in with Cecil Hurt, sports editor and columnist for the Tuscaloosa News. And you know, Cecil, you look at these SEC standings through four games, and we got 10 teams with two or more losses. Is this sort of what we should have anticipated? Uh, in, a, in a crazy year like this, and also one that is SEC only in terms of the schedule itself? Yes. You know, it's, it's the NFL syndrome that, that 10 and 6 is a good year and gets you into the playoffs. And, and um, that just doesn't happen in college football because they don't have large playoffs. So um, if they had expanded the playoffs to 16 teams, people wouldn't be worried about that. But of course, they haven't. 
Um, and that's just mathematics. You, you try to explain it to people that the league, if you're only playing league games, everybody, you know, the league can't go 700 against itself. It's got to be 500. Everybody gets one win and one loss. If you have a couple of teams at the top, um, Alabama, Georgia, then it's going to wait on the on the bottom. Um, Texas A&M's only got one loss as well, and, and that loss to to Alabama. So it, it everybody else gets is going to get pushed down. That's just mathematics. And um, so I, I think in in general, it's a good thing we only we the Southeastern Conference only has one winless team. And that's the flip side of it. You've got a chance. Most weeks, Vanderbilt had some struggles, a variety of struggles. But, um, you know, Arkansas probably exceeded expectations. Um, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, they're probably bad expectations, but they've won games. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not surprising. Um, and it's, I still think it's a very, very difficult thing to measure when there's no interconference power five play. But at the end of the day, the, uh, the ACC played a, a few meaningless non-conference games. Um, but they'll be 500. But you know, Clemson's going to be way up on everybody. Probably a little bit of Notre Dame. Um, Maybe North Carolina, although you saw even they're not really a contender for anything. Um, and I still think the SEC is a deeper, more balanced league um, than the ACC, and I'll be fascinated to see the the Big Ten as well, which is which has been relatively balanced. But I, I don't know that you're not going to see. Uh, <laughs> frankly, I think everybody in the Big Ten. Um, not the other teams, obviously, but there's a lot of sentiment for Ohio State to run the table and lock up that that playoff spot. What's your excitement level for the Big Ten coming on board this weekend, Cecil? I'm going to be honest. I'm glad for more games. I like college football. Um, some of them are going to be intriguing, uh, but I'm going to be honest. I get so wrapped up this time of year with SEC and what I have mm-hmm. to do um, that in an average year, 2020 is not an average year, but in an average year, I don't see a tremendous amount of Big Ten. I see some, um, but I don't see a tremendous amount, and it's going to be the same this year. You know, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> you know, it's just partly the job, you know, partly just the the way I am by personal preference. Um, I, I got more interested in watching Auburn and Ole Miss or LSU and South Carolina than I do um, Penn State and Indiana. That's just that's just the way it is. It's not, I, I know for some fans, you know, quote unquote national fans, it's all kind of equal. Um, but it's, I'm glad they're playing. Um, I'm glad they worked everything out and cured myocarditis, and I'm glad that they're getting some, getting some games in. Haven't heard uh, the word myocarditis in a few weeks, have you? Oh, no. No, no. Well, like you said, uh, the Big Ten Brain Trust. Check out the brain on the Big Ten, in the words of Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> in Pulp Fiction. Um, I guess, though, you're right. In terms of what we do, I said this yesterday. I'm more fired up about the Mountain West coming back because I'm going to get those 9:30 games this weekend. Yeah, now those you'll know, watch season. just out of out of timing and and some Boise State uh, and our Rainbow Warriors, Cecil. You know, late night. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Some some travel mm-hmm. issues, some logistic issues, but they're going to play. <laughs> no I, I fans know, I mean, out there. It's going to be interesting to to see how. Pack twelve at noon. Go <laughs> those those um, nine a.m. ten a.m. kickoff. Nine a.m. in Berkeley. How's that going to go? Yeah, you think? Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it would be uh, as a novelty. I think it will be fun. I will say this: uh, you, you laugh because you, you say, "Oh, they had they had you know 
better viewership because they were the only thing in town. But a lot of people don't stay up till one o'clock in the morning. You and I are not normal people. Um, you know, we're not going to stay up till one o'clock to see how Washington State and Oregon State comes out. But you know, they got a noon game. They got they got USC. You know, they're up against a, an SEC game that that you know that say Kentucky versus Tennessee just to put one out of the hat and. and Iowa, Purdue, and they've got USC and Arizona State. You might say, yeah, I'll watch that. I'll watch USC, Arizona State. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Cecil, in terms of individual performances for multiple uh, skill positions in a game of the magnitude of Alabama-Georgia, last Saturday night, where would you put what we saw from Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Najee Harris, and uh, sort of the pantheon of what you've witnessed with this program? Just, just you know, four guys at those spots, pr- production level like it was. It's hard. It's hard because it's a different offense. Um, you know, there, there was a, a time when when Alabama could put People don't remember it this way because it was so different offensively, but but they could put um, Jeff Rutledge, Tony Nathan, Johnny Davis, Ozzie Newsom all on the field at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's for, for NFL accomplished players in the 70s. Um, but they were doing something very, very different offensively. Um, White Stevenson could be the center on that team too, by the way. So yeah, not it, bad, huh? It, yeah, that's not bad. Um, but it's different. They're trying to accomplish different things offensively. Um, Alabama wanted to, to have 42 minutes time of possession and, and wear teams down and play field position with that wishbone. But, you know, they did have people lose sight of the fact that they did have um, – Tremendous talent in those offenses in the 70s. But now in terms of the way football is played now and and to have um, Mac Jones playing at the level he is, the, the three wide receivers, um, Najee Harris at running back, the one thing, and, and I think Miller Forstall has been excellent, but, um, you know, the one thing that, if they had O.J. Howard, too, then that'd be it. I don't know how anybody could do anything at all with with that. But, um, yeah, it's been it's been a while. I, sort of the, the progression with saving teams philosophically and, and talent-wise is, is they've gone from having that, that one wide receiver that you had to double cover and then a, a complimentary guy um and and julio again nick saban repeats often how julio was the most important recruit that they've gotten and um at alabama and there are a variety of reasons for that but the fact that it was early in nick's tenure uh the kind of example that julio set on the field um but also that that he, he forced defenses into things. People people who think back on Julio's career, you know, he didn't catch the amount of balls that that Devontae will catch, you know. But um so it's it's progressed from that. But you didn't have two other guys with Julio who were at that at that level. Um so it's yeah, it's a long answer to your question, but um, offenses are, are difficult to compare, but they, they've really they, they've got an arsenal right now. There's no question about that. You know, I look at this offense like in a game Saturday night, and I even see some, I think, back to Homer Smith in 89 some. Shotgun, sometimes you got two guys in the backfield with Mac. Obviously, more explosive, all due respect to guys like Marco Battle and um, – you know, Craig Sanderson and, but the backs you had in 89 with Saran and Kevin Turner and Lamont Russell at the tight end position. Um, you know, it, 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 I still see some of Homer Smith and a lot of the football I see today, the late, great Homer Smith. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Just 
creating mismatches. Yeah. Um, I, I think, although Lane never worked with Homer Smith, I think Homer's influence was so pervasive on the West Coast that Lane Kiffin has a... Osmosis, a, yeah. Osmosis from, from Homer. Because UCLA did it. Lane was a mm-hmm. USC guy, but it's what UCLA was doing with New Heisel um, and, and Homer before that. So, so it's... He is still influential in that that he felt like you could create mismatches. And again, he was doing it with um, talented guys. No, no question, Saran was talented. Um, yeah, but but not. He didn't have three first round receivers out there. <laughs> um, you know, he he didn't have. Uh, you talk about Lamont, and um, Lamont had was was you know a real kind of hybrid that Homer really knew how to utilize well. Um, but, but again, was the OJ Howard? No, because there's, again, you, what you get at Alabama now is you, you get the, <laughs> the quote Rick James, the super freaks, you know, Julio. And, uh, well, yeah, if you've got Julio, you've got Julio. If you've got Derrick Henry, you've got Derrick Henry. Um, if you've got rugs, you've got rugs, you know, the fastest guy, you may be the fastest guy in the NFL now or close to it. Um, Tyree kill may be faster, but, um, you know, if you've got those guys and, and there's no way to, to really fairly compare, I, I still think back though, to, <laughs> you know, different times and different ways, you know, in, Ninety-two, um, Alabama had some, some pretty decent running backs: Sherman, Derek Lassick. Uh, but <laughs> they were almost they were almost built. This is how defensively, and I, I, I forget sometimes when you talk about ninety-two that it was twenty-eight years ago. And there's a lot of people. You know, if you're thirty-five, you don't really remember that team from a football standpoint. I swear there were a couple of games where you felt like. Alabama's philosophy to score was to play such great defense that the other team would have to punt to Palmer 10 times. And out of that 10, he was going to run one back and you were going to win seven to nothing. Cecil, that was the Louisiana tech game at Legion field in 92. Sure, absolutely. That, that absolutely. was that game. I was at that game and I walked out of there thinking yeah. there's no way they can make this work over the course of 13 games, 12, 13 games. And damned if they didn't. <laughs> and, and, you know, just just or block a field goal at LSU did, late, things like yeah, that. Or, yeah, or or at Tennessee. You know, yeah. The the best offensive plays. This is Tennessee week. Let's talk about one of the great games in the series. Thirty years ago, now. hard to believe it's been thirty years. Yeah. Um, in nineteen ninety, Tennessee's much more talented. You know, had, had a great team. Johnny had a really strong team. I think they were third in the poll, and. um Alabama's best offensive play that day <laughs> was Stacey Harrison blocking the field goal at an angle where the ball rolled back 25 yards. Right. Because if he just smothers it, you know, like you occasionally see blocked, or, you know, it goes up in the air and Alabama gets it at the line of scrimmage, they're not going to get close enough for Doyle to kick the field goal. It's going to be a 6-6 tie. Yeah. But because they got the, the hidden yardage on the, on the bounce, from the block. Um, now, the one thing I will say is, is there there are kickers, and it was great to see Will Reichert hit the fifty-two yarder, and I think he's going to be fine. And I've always thought he was going to be fine. Now Doyle wasn't missing the field goal. But he was, Doyle was money. He was he was not good. Yeah, and, and he he thought it. he didn't. You know, you talk about guys doing their ritual on the sidelines, or they're nervous. Now that was that guys at the moment was. Too big for him. Not Philip Doyle. He, he, Doyle. Doyle was a football awesome. player. I mean, he was a linebacker yeah, oh yeah. in high school. He, he tackled and an athlete. He, he, Good baseball player. So, so it was a. Uh, yeah, that game was was the same thing. Alabama wasn't going to drive down there and <laughs> score a bunch or get a touchdown. Um, so you played a different way, but but yeah, absolutely. Their offense in '92 was to, in terms of big plays. In the offense, Sherman might break a run. 
he, he might and, and was a good back. Um, Lassie, the same, but they wanted to, they wanted to have the defense, you know, have the offense on the field as much as possible so the defense could rest. The other team couldn't move the ball and they'd have to punt pump. I mean, even in the Sugar Bowl, even where you say, oh, it's 34 to 13. But that punt return is the biggest play in the game. Offensive and Teague's yeah. interception return. Those are the two. Yeah. Punt return and the interception return were the two best offensive plays in the game. Remember thinking in 90, Beeves' first season, well, this is just a transition year. The offense will grow. You know, you'll see. No, not really. <laughs> well, and, and Saran had gotten now, hurt and Sanderson had gotten hurt. That's right. That's right. But it was going to be toughness. I mean, it was going to be defense kicking game. And and that was pretty much it. I guess Homer coming back, right? Um, changed that a little bit. Jay's yeah, a little bit. In 94. You know, Jay, Jay has, like, I was thinking last weekend in Alabama and Georgia. And that Barker versus Zyre game. Where that was a hell of a game, Homer man. Was cause that was a great game. And a, a, a forward Electric night, game. wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah. really was. And, a, and a, you know, it wasn't what Alabama and Ole Miss was this season, but it was an offensive kind of game. Now, <laughs> and Alabama won, and I'm sure Gene was happy about that, but I don't know if that's the way he wanted to play football. <laughs> so, you know, that's interesting because the fourth quarter of Saturday night's game, it the game was kind of like a Baskin-Robbins uh, or I guess a Peter Brook might be a better way of putting it. There was there something for everybody, right? Offensively, if sure. you like the explosive sure, plays, some of the you chocolate had it. dip but, graham crackers, absolutely. Yeah, something if you like chocolate dip graham crackers, they had some of that for you. And then that fourth quarter for maybe more of the traditionalists, you know, more of just like a a cordial or something. It's, you know, a, a, right. a, just sure. a bar of chocolate. You know, they got that in the form of the run game, I guess, in the fourth quarter Saturday night. I think of all the emotions, this is a very emotional week for Nick Saban, and I'm not going to try and, and rank where anything was on the emotional scale of, of what he had been through with the with the testing and the, the false positive and then the, the game, you know, the build-up to the game, the hype for the game. But I have to think that the <laughs> in some ways probably the the least intense moment, but the most satisfying moment for Nick Saban might well have been just knocking out that last six minutes, you know, just, just knocking it out, just keeping the ball and mm -hmm. grinding out the clock. And, um, because that's the way, you know, that's, that's, I, I think at his core, deep philosophically, probably where they reached with the Q-tip when they were testing for the Corona, they hit some of this. <laughs> That's the way he likes to play football. Make them hand quit. Hand it to Najee. That's kind of what Brian it was. Robinson. Yeah. You know, Najee's, that, that, that fumble statistic, and I still, you know, Najee was close on that fumble even at Ole Miss. He That's was going backwards on that fumble. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, you know, so ball security, knock it out. And I think, A, Philosophically, that fits the way he play. And B, you know, that's how Kirby kind of built Georgia. And you could almost hear Nick thinking, you think the old man can't still do this? Here we go. A lot of shots to the solar plexus, as the late, great Gordon Soley would have described it there <laughs> in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Cecil. Yep. Yeah, and, so, and it worked. Yeah, so it, it works. In terms and, of and it just sort of sends the other team, you know, you've seen, and, and I'm not being critical of anybody, but, you know, Ole Miss, I don't think, felt too terrible when they went to the locker room after after that game. But Georgia, they, they knew they'd lost. They knew they'd lost. And Kirby's got to make some changes. It's a good time. Uh, schedule falls a lot better for Kirby than it does for Nick this week with the open week. What's your trust level in this Alabama defense after the second half, especially and considering what awaits this week up in Knoxville in the form of a Tennessee offense under Jared Guarantano that has kind of returned to their turnover ways here the last yeah, couple surely, of years? Surely Tennessee's just going to run the ball. Got to. Trying offensive line and you know, good running backs and just not, just not risk 
what what they can do is have a pick six giveaway points even if you don't return it you know a, a red zone interception in, in the first half that's what they just uh you, you they've just got to be conservative and hope that they can play well enough if you're Tennessee to, to not you know, Alabama throws the 50 out there or the 45 it, that's going to be a hard 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 number for them to chase so I thought Alabama played better defensively I just think it'll be a tough measure um, against Tennessee to say oh they're really better they're really because Tennessee just can't I mean they just can't afford to aside from whether the personnel fits they can't do what Ole Miss did in, in terms of spreading the field playing tempo they, they can't play tempo I don't think I mean they might in a situation but but they just can't afford to play tempo and increase their own chances of messing something up on offense. So it'll be a little bit harder to measure the defense. I thought it was better. Um, I thought Sertan had a great game. Uh, completely. I, I thought not just, uh, you know, sometimes a corner, a great corner can, can shut down a wide receiver. And although it's not, you know, it's not the 350 pound nose tackle, um, but you can make the wide receiver quit. And I thought Sertan dominated to the extent that, that um, he made Georgia's best receiving threat kind of – I hate the word quit. He was given an effort, but yeah, he didn't have I any mean, confidence Pickens, that he was getting the ball. Pickens has one route, right? I mean, yeah. it's pretty much right. the, the go route down the sideline. He either catches it on the back shoulder or he wins deep. And against a guy like right. Sertan, a future NFL first-round pick, you got to have some variety at that dude. Um because if you can't mix it up, uh, he, he's probably going to do a, a pretty good job. Cecil, as we he's, let he's you go lock, here, as, as they say about corners, that's locking down. He's going to lock down. That's right. And he did. You're right. Absolutely. So uh, some hoops news, I guess, Cecil. We're getting some more information about the schedule. I don't think this is a huge surprise. But um, Alabama, part of the Big 12 SEC Challenge once again. Yeah, I figured they'd be in it and knew it would be a road game because they were at home last year against K-State. And um, so it was just a question of where they were going to play. You know, they, they tend to reserve Kansas for Kentucky and, and that level. Um, so and the, Alabama's been to Ames recently. They've been to Waco recently. Uh, so it wasn't a big surprise. Um, they, 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 they've been to Austin and also Texas in the Maui Asheville challenge. So, um, yeah, Oklahoma's, it'll be a good, I, I, I still want to see Alabama at West Virginia. Sometimes I still want them to go up there and play Huggins, um, maybe in two years you know, when, when Nate's got the roster full and, uh, see how that game goes. But yeah, it's fine. It's, it's good. And then they've got Clemson in a neutral and they've got the Maui. I think you're going to start seeing release of, uh, two or three home games, bye games, here shortly. As always, Cecil, we appreciate the time. Always, always great stuff with the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com as well. Look forward to doing it again next week. Thanks, Cecil. Sure. Talk to you soon. There he goes, Cecil Hurt of the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. As we head to a break, I want to remind you, today's show brought to you in part by Houston Hydra Steam, our good friends there. At Houston Hydrostein, they're going to do an outstanding job coming in and making sure your home wall-to-wall in terms of the floors, whether it's carpets, rugs, tile, your grout, they're going to take care of all that for you. At Houston Hydrostein, just give them a call, 205-553-9460, locally owned, locally operated. They're going to provide you with the Houston Rug Revival. It's outstanding. They're going to get your floors looking better, feeling better, lasting longer than they could have before employing the services of Houston Hydrosteam. 205-553-9460. Back with more Southern Fried Sports right after this. It's major. Pleasant autumn day on this Wednesday across Tuscaloosa with a few passing clouds possible, highs near 86. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with highs in the mid-80s near 84. And for Friday, 
A few passing showers possible by afternoon highs near 81 degrees. I'm meteorologist James Spann on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Chase's Residential and Commercial Cleaning, also a proud sponsor of Southern Fried Sports. 20 years of quality cleaning experience. That's what you're getting with Chase's Residential Commercial Cleaning. Give Yashika Barnes a call right now at 205-886-3616. She and her crew are going to do outstanding work for you. They're very dependable. I can attest to that. Chase's Residential and Commercial Cleaning, 205-886-3616. You know, could it be a a double cigar weekend for Alabama football coming up? Of course, you got Alabama, Tennessee. I'm not a big cigar guy, but uh, I know a lot of folks like to blaze up. Alabama folks like to blaze up after that annual whipping of the balls and then what about jaquincy mckinstry the five-star corner set to make his announcement on sunday evening over there in the birmingham area alabama alban lsu that crystal ball for kool-aid is trending it appears towards alabama could be a couple of cigars for the alabama crimson tide football program this weekend kool-aid can play some hoops too Apparently, that's part of the deal with Quincy McKinstry. He's at least going to perhaps take a shot at hoops in addition to football. That's going to do it for a Wednesday edition of the program. Thanks to Cecil Hurt. Thanks to Jacob and Joe for making the show possible. The lunch whistle on this Wednesday. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Sent a couple of friends that were in town for the Georgia game over to Southern Ale House on Saturday. Good buddy of mine, John, his son, Caleb. And they had that Yardbird chicken sandwich, which I recommend, obviously, along with everything else. And young Caleb, he had the prime rib sandwich. Check for that on the special board when you're in there next time at Southern Ale House. Loved it. Very good. Outstanding. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard north until 11 a.m. on Thursday. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody.